part of the reason that sparked the whole idea is the painting that's currently behind you because you posted something. Right. Yeah, one, that's a really awesome painting. Two, uh, but it, the, it, it, this, the guy is so talented. Yeah, he is. There's just and so the much. That's what I don't even know. <laughs> it's that arrow right there in the cloud. <laughs> yeah. See it? Yeah. Complete mess. Yeah. Been there. Done that. <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah, that dude just has like a he has like his own originality that you don't see in a lot of wildlife art, you know, but you posted something and you said you were like, this was something like you, I remember you called him one of the mean girl accounts, you know, it said yeah. something about him. And that's, I was like, all right. And that's how mine and your conversation initially started. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, what's your thoughts on all that stuff? And it's like, well, you know, those accounts, they do some good. They really do. Um, and it's like the Roman mob mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's like people used to line up to watch public executions because their, their lives were so miserable. They wanted to see someone suffer in a greater capacity than their miserable life was. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, in Game of Thrones, you know, like, you know, they, they do the walk of shame. Like they, that's based on reality. Like they used to do this stuff. Um, and so what happens is it, it, it's the, it's kind of works itself into a frenzy, but like making hunting great again, copper plated sixes, utards um subpar hunting memes like they get they are addicted to the same exact dopamine drip that they make fun of Mm -hmm. so what happens is there are people that that built that built and and their reputation on social media on the back of the hunting community and they do it for the wrong reasons i have a problem with that and those meme accounts that's kind of what they started but what really gets them going is when they go after a big fish mm-hmm. because it's, they see someone that's successful and you get all these miserable low life losers. And i say this to every one of their faces. You have they, they, their followers are all these losers and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black rifle coffee or Yeti or, or, or whatever Sitka, whatever mm-hmm. brand they're attacking, it empowers them. So, they get more likes and you'll notice they start to post more. Mm-hmm. They start to do more Instagram stories. They start to do more. Ask me anything because they literally are feeding off of the same exact thing that they're criticizing these huntresses for. Yep. They don't realize that now. Mike, whom I, I like as a person, Mike runs making hunting great again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have, I know more about hunting than Mike ever will as long as mike lives now that doesn't make me a better person but my question is who appointed these people to be the voices of the hunting community i've hunted on four continents i've hunted in over 20 states i've been hunting white-tailed deer for over 30 years Mm. the one thing that mike knows more about me is bird hunting and bird dogs making hunting great again he I'll, i'll give him that but mike like I, I would, and I would also say that I have contributed and done more financially for conservation in this country than all of them combined. If mm-hmm. you take the total dollar amount that they have generated for hunting conservation and spent personally, I can guarantee you is substantially greater than all of theirs. Mm-hmm. But I don't view myself as anything more than just another dude out there. Like I really enjoy hunting. Like right. I have opinions on a lot of things. But like, I'm not an authority on anything. Yeah. But when it comes like, for example, with Black Rifle Coffee, in the past three weeks, we signed a joint venture. And a joint venture is when we have a bag of coffee, 
Um, and we put National Wild Turkey Federation's logo on it. Uh-huh. And, and five or five or oh God, I should know this. Five percent of gross sales or seven percent of gross sales, I should know this, goes back to that organization. Mm-hmm. Right. So we did that with National Wild Turkey Federation, the Wild Sheep Foundation, uh, the National Deer Association and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Those are four organizations. In addition to that, we just signed corporate sponsorships with all four of those organizations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you add all that money up, just to just Just that right there alone, we have we are doing substantially more for hunting and conservation in this country than hunting meme accounts are doing trying to tear people down. So I have a huge, huge problem when people and companies try to cancel companies for no reason. Like we had so Free Range American, they posted that uh the Matt Ranella op-ed. Yeah. And yeah. I I would be shocked. I would, I personally would be shocked if the guys that run those meme, meme accounts know what an op-ed is. <laughs> I know that copper plated six knows that because he's a writer. Yeah, he's but a writer. But the other guys, I, I, and I'm not talking trash. I'm just saying it's an op-ed. It's Matt Rinella's opinion. It's mm-hmm. an opinion editor. We didn't write it. Matt did. Yeah. So Matt Rinella writes an article. So Evan Hafer, who's the CEO of Black Rifle, mm-hmm. Evan, um, was hunting with Stephen Ronella in Alaska a few weeks back. Um, right. Comes back from his hunt. They had a great time. They shot one of those Sitka black tail deer. Yeah, one of the little deer. Yeah, like no interest. Like, like dude, Alaska <laughs> yeah. is an adventure. It's great. I've been there, but like, I'm not shooting one. I just, I can't. I mean, I, I, did, I just doesn't do it for me. But yeah, Stephen I mean, taste their own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and I encourage whatever. If you're into, killing rats as long as it's legal and ethical dude go for it <laughs> um and uh so and then so evan comes back and then a week later shay at fra that article gets published well the problem with that was that that article was supposed to be published in concert with the brothers Stephen Rinella and matt Rinella did a podcast together where they aired out their differences and talked about the article mm. and then our the op-ed was supposed to be published following that so it goes up and then all of a sudden it comes down and these people lose their minds like oh black rifle coffee and brcc outdoors are anti-1a are you yeah. serious yeah are you serious do you know how many hits coffee or die our digital magazine gets a month over two million we're, we're against the first amendment you morons it's like and that's the thing it's like I talked to subpar hunting memes yesterday by Instagram message and I explained to him, I was like, Hey man, so you, you guys think that female huntress influencers persuaded Evan Hafer to take down an article from one of our online publication platforms. Are you serious? Are you serious? You guys really, and it's like, it's like, where do you, so where do you come up with that shit? Like, excuse my French, but it's like, listen, if, if female huntresses that we apparently sponsor, because we don't sponsor a single female huntress, the only female hunter that we sponsor that I can think of off the top of my head is Hannah Barron. And Hannah's a, a legit little outdoors woman. Like Hannah gets out there and she hunts. Yeah, I, Hannah doesn't. I wouldn't put the huntress coin on not Hannah. A, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. But with regards to like a female hunter. Yeah. Like that's that she's the, we do sponsor her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a different thing, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it's like so. So if. If that were the case, if it was like if Evan Hafer said, oh, man, 
these female huntresses are really giving us a hard time about an article written by Matt Ranella. We need to take it down. I would not work for Evan Hafer anymore. Yeah. And, and, and I can say that because in, in a thousand lifetimes, that would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that would never happen to like, it just, it's absurd. So, so they, they kind of, they attacked us, which had no effect. It had zero impact on sales or anything, but it's just like all this shit that we do for the hunting community, all the stuff that we do. And, and, and remind me to get into how many hunts and people we have sent hunting in the past 12 months. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many elk have fallen at the hands of black rifle coffee employees because of F and hatred. Um, um, I've just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, you were talking about, um, and then we were talking about like they were hunter. They were saying that oh, huntresses so, had convinced Evan to yeah, take the so article down. So, so they, they take a, a, a piece of disinformation, right? That's just not accurate. And someone made up and I, I don't know how their brains landed on huntresses convinced you to take the article down. Like they, they literally made that up. And then, so these other like lemmings, latch on these little mean girls and they're like yeah black rifle coffee's anti-first amendment it's like huh where do you come up with that so mm-hmm. so you so th- so if they had had it their way we would have gone out of business we have 600 employees we're a multi-billion dollar company they have zero impact on us but it, it, it what, what what saddens me is that we talk about the cancel culture of the extreme left and attacking in the previous administration and now the, 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 we have this cancel culture on the right. That's just as bad, if not worse. Uh, it's like, yeah. so, so if, if these guys had it their way, they black rifle coffee would have gone out of business last week and we would have paid the ultimate price for something or rather for some likes and some clicks and some mean comments and stuff like that. Um, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Like it's just super frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand that. And it's like the one guy like copper plated sixes, like he's backed off from that. Like he's taken a break from mean girl tweets and or mean girl posts and stuff. And like, he's actually a pretty damn good photographer and he's putting out some pretty good content. Like if you go in and look at the stuff he posts, like the dude's pretty talented. Yeah. And, 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 and I will say that of all the mean, the mean girl hunting meme accounts, copper plated sixes without fail, is the only one that spends that much time in the field and, and, and is qualified in my opinion to actually have an opinion. Yeah. Like these other guys, it's like, and I, I talked to subpar hunting, hunting memes yesterday. Um, and like, he's like, Oh man, I explained what happened. He's like, Oh man, I wish I had known that. No one explained that to me. Yeah. It's like, so before we do anything, like we have to explain it to you. Do we have to justify our actions to you? Yeah. Like, who do you think you are? It, it, man, it's like a a thing you see. I mean, obviously, not just in the hunting community. You see it in all our society. Uh, you were talking about it's like they get this one fact, like who knows where the whole huntress is convinced Evan to take it down, whatever. But it's like that was the most attractive for them to run with because that would that would have been the most controversial. So, yeah, let's run attention. with that. It's yeah. the most attention. It's like the yeah. female huntress that's like posing in her bikini top in a blind. Yeah. Like they'll criticize someone for doing something for attention, but then they're exact. They're guilty of the exact same thing. Yeah. Just fake news. And they run with fake stories. You know, it's well, like, all the time. But no, fact checking doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like what makes the most sense. Yeah. What makes the most sense? Let's attack someone over it. 
Yeah. And hopefully we can put them out of business and they'll cease to exist. Yeah. Which so, again, like, yeah. It takes you back. You were talking about like cancel culture, which I I've never said it on, on our podcast before, but I said that with, I, I talking to, to friends or something you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's everyone tends to blame the left for being the one that yells and goes, cancel these people. I'm like, you know, the folks on the right are doing that too. Like in a big the right's way. way worse. Yeah. yeah. They're way worse because the right's more, the right's more organized than it. Yeah. Like the right, like you're not going to see the the people on the right are it's more organized, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we experienced that with like the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing, which is just annoying, just a fiasco. It's like, I mean, we can get into that later. But like, if you look at them, so like, if they had had it their way, Black Rifle would have gone out of business because we put an article down that was an op-ed that they don't even know what an op-ed is, and so we employ six hundred people. Uh, Goldman Sachs gave us a market. Uh, capitalization rate of 1.7 billion i think it's over two now we're going public um we donate and i know what these numbers mean so when i say them i'm being accurate we donate millions of dollars a year to veteran leo and 2a charities millions of dollars that is basically that is one of the primary pillars of our company is veteran causes supporting veterans of the 600 employees i think 60 percent of them are veterans so we do a tremendous amount of good in the veteran community the 2a community and the hunting community and when i see people just running their mouths for clickbait stuff it is infuriating to me and i would and i probably shouldn't say this but i will catch one of them slipping one time there will come a time when someone does something wrong and there will be consequences like Big companies, like I'm not going to say anymore, but I promise you this. I read everything and I document everything and I keep track of everything. And there will come a time, slander, libel, I don't know what it's going to be, but someone like it's, it, 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 it's just disgusting behavior. It's, and that's like, that's social media by its nature is designed to be addictive. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt, the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, bass fishing. It does not matter. We don't go a day without using OnX Hunt. Public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you, and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates. So go and check out the Onyx Hunt app today. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 to get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. It's like chasing the dragon. So when you recall, when Trump got elected, uh, people would, he would, Trump would tweet, and people would, you're stupid, you have bad hair, you're fat. Just little kindergarten insults. Yeah. Two weeks later, kiss my ass, you loser. I hate you. The insults started getting a little more weight behind them. Yeah. And then six months later, you're seeing he tweets people are responding. I hope your family dies in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's called chasing the dragon, and it's very much akin to um, drug addiction. So someone that's addicted to drugs, they wake up in the morning or they do their first hit of the day and that's the highest they're going to be. And they're constantly chasing that high. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of it in the fishing industry with bow bunnies and things like that. Like this chick, good looking girl posts pictures of her catching a nice redfish. Okay. 
it transitions into a little more skin, a little more skin, a little more skin exposed. And eventually they're in a thong bikini and they're just posting pictures of their butt because that gets the most likes. Right. Not the fish. And it's not that you're a good stick. It's like, it's, it's just chasing the dragon and the hunting meme accounts. If you follow what they do and you just pay attention to it, which I don't advise anyone to do because it's just unhealthy. They're constantly chasing the dragon, you know, And and it just becomes hateful. And then they try to destroy and they try to send, send the mob on people to attack them. And that's, what's really unfortunate because like this, it's just inner destruction. Like now there's some people that do stupid shit that should mm-hmm. call on the mat, you know? And like, they deserve to get in trouble and they deserve to, you know, like the ones that do stupid things that get hunting a bad name. Like there is nothing in the history of this company, nor will there ever be as long as I'm in charge of the hunting side of it, where someone will do something to give the company a bad name or damage the hunting community. Yeah. Like off the, just off the top of my head, Evan Hafer, so Black Rifles, the, the, the title sponsor of the Hunter Recruitment Project. Mm-hmm. I think we're currently sitting right at close to 51 people and mentors that we've taken hunting for the first time. We're reintroducing the hunting after a decade. That's 51 whitetails. Then we've got 16 tags he purchased for, I think, is it 16? At Deseret. Super oh, wow. High end, nice, super nice high-end ranch. It's yeah, super, I know what the Deseret is, yeah. Two packages. He gave away every single tag to employees. He didn't, he didn't take one tag. All right. Yeah. We've got, we have six people going on an elk depredation hunt between Utah between now and the end of January. Six. All right. So we're at 51, 16 elk and 51 whitetail, 16 elk and mule deer, another six elk cow elk. He paid for Trevor, Tier, Clancy, Another elk hunt in northern Idaho, complete boondoggle, by the way. Um, <laughs> that so 50, 51, 16, 6, so another 10, 70. So, so far this year, 75 people have gone hunting or have been sent out into the field by Evan Hafer and Black Rifle Coffee. Yeah. So let's start adding, let's add that. Let's add the, the, the dollar spent just on that. Mm-hmm. It's substantial. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you think? What was Evan's motive behind so, doing that? I mean, is he just, just being a benevolent boss or, or what, what do you think his motive was? No, dude, like Evan wants everyone that works in his company to be the happiest person in the world. Ah. Like, so, so and it, it hasn't always been that way. Mm-hmm. So Evan started this company almost we'll say eight years ago yeah with 1800 bucks didn't have evan grew up i'm gonna say lower middle class but evan grew up kind of poor all right mm-hmm. and that's not a knock his dad's one of the hardest working men i know they just grew up upper lower class lower middle class all right yeah. um always had a place to live they never looked for food or anything but like there wasn't a whole lot of extra money to spend and stuff they work they're working people yeah matt grew up poor jt super basic like middle school, like I think his dad was in the Navy, his mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Richard Ryan, poor shit, grew up poor, right? And, and I don't mean that negatively. I'm just, these are the facts. Yeah. Right. And if you look at, and if you look at, so 1800 bucks, and none of them had any rich relatives, none of them won the lottery. They've never had money. I mean, they, they made decent money, you know, contracting and stuff, but, you know, they're typical contractors and blew it on, you know, whatever, God knows what. But so, in eight years, 
working six, sometimes seven hours, seven days a week, anywhere from 10 to 16 hour days. Um, we, they turned that from $1,800 into a company that's going to do 240 million this year in sales and it's going public with over 600 employees. Yeah. Right. So Evan, and I said, I said this in an email to all of them yesterday. I was like, this is the happiest and healthiest I've ever seen you guys. Um, and I want to keep it that way. Uh, um, and so he, Evan wants, so the way you look at the way you, Evan, Evan makes decisions today. And it's this thing called second, third and fourth order effects. So I have this tattoo right here on my arm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see that. The right R3. That's, that's Euclidean math space. That's okay. basically three-dimensional math. And so I look at that and I think, what does it, it's how I make decisions. Okay, so if I make this decision, and this is based on the conversation with Evan, second, third, fourth order effects. So I make this decision today. How does it play out now, tomorrow, three weeks, six months, two years down the road? How does it affect the people above me? How does it affect the people that report to me? And then can it change and alter the past? Because that is possible. Um, and so Evan makes decisions um, that are second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 10th order down the road. Um, most people don't do that. And so it, it, it wasn't always like this. Like it was, you know, the company, you know, there are times Evan didn't get paid for years. He had no money. Yeah. He and his wife, you know, straining the hell out of their marriage and stuff, um, their relationship. He worked so much. But ultimately, look where it led him. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like he's making these decisions that most people don't understand now. But yeah. if you look at it down the road, like, oh, so that's why you did that. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, but yeah, he he's super successful. You know, Evan is wildly successful. You know, we're going public. It's a multi-billion yeah. dollar valuation. Yeah, he and worked that, hard for that, though. He worked hard he for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he wants people in his company to have experiences that he didn't have or, you know, that he's recently experienced these things and he wants to share them. Like, you know, going on his first elk kind of a couple of years ago, um, he's like, oh my God, that was amazing. And so he wants other people in the company to experience that. So, and, and they're big into that. So I was like, hey, you know, my buddy has these six elk depredation tags, um, you know, and they're like, well, let's see if we can, you know, get something and have the, you know, some of our employees use them or whatever. So mm-hmm. we have to transfer the tags over into their name. But um, I mean, I don't know any other companies and we're in our uh, uh, Manchester roasting facility in Manchester, Tennessee. Like I was, the reason I was late for this was because we're looking at, at land to lease for employees that work in our Manchester facility for deer. That's, that's cool. So we're doing, we, uh, we signed a, uh, a deal with the national deer association. They have a program called field to fort. Yeah. We're currently working on with them right now yeah. to make our Manchester employees hunting. Yeah. It's a cool program. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. So, I mean, uh, I mean, we do, we do a ton in this space, like a ton, ton. I mean, I'm not going to tell you the dollar amount, but I can assure you the four deals I signed with Wild National, NWTF, Sheep Show, Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation, National Deer Association are substantial. Yeah. Also, all those bags most likely will be sold in Bass Pro. So if you think about online sales plus Bass Pro sales, and they're getting 5% of the, of the, of the gross, those numbers add up really, really quick. Plus, there's a massive base sponsorship, which we're giving them X amount of dollars, regardless of what happens. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot to help. And that's just round one. We'll have, an, we'll do, we'll identify other conservation organizations starting in January. 
2022 yeah. for our second round of conservation. We're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, so it's like you see these people and it's like they talk shit about you in this cancel culture. And it's like, I don't know. The, I don't want to talk about the good stuff you're doing. I just want to focus on you pulling down an op-ed from a small website that you own, even though I don't understand how any of that works because I'm some low-level schmuck. I'm going to be upset and rally my friends to try and be mad at you and talk shit about your brand. Yeah. Give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah. The, the only thing I can liken that to is because obviously working for Primo is one of my biggest mentors has been Will, you know, mm-hmm. and Will there's, there's so many similarities that I can pick from, you know, you were talking about Evan growing the company when it was, when he had $1,800, you know, right. uh, I can, I mean, Will has stories. I don't think he took a salary for years when he was getting primos off the ground and just similarities like that, you know, but uh, another thing that is just funny is just these kind of things going on. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you have to sacrifice. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Will told me a story one time we were dealing with, there's another guy in our team um jordan and i are the the youngest ones in the in the group and so we're kind of individually we're more active on social media and we had just had this guy it was like a small group of people that were were saying some stuff about us it was pretty minor but it's the first time it ever happened to us you know right um and will told us this story and this happened years ago back when they were just putting out vhs tapes he said one guy said he wanted to confronted him and he said he really had a problem about that 200 inch deer that he killed in a high fence and will's will's response was i've never killed a 200 inch deer and i've never hunted in a high fence so it's just just fabricating these things it's been going on for that long you know? oh dude it, it's completely absurd you have you have all these people that like um i shot a 381 inch elk at the hill ranch in southern colorado i saw that yeah and a couple people like yeah nice high fence it's like <laughs> okay that's exact you don't even you don't even know where this was shot yeah. but you're such a miserable person that you were you, you just automatically default to everyone else is a loser like you and they can't accomplish anything it's like no it was not in a high fence. I, I, dude, listen, I've hunted in high fences. I've shot deer. I've shot an, I've shot axes in high fences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shot a cow elk one year in a high fence just for me. The guy was like, hey, I got some cow elk I need to get rid of. I was like, I would love some elk meat. He's like, well, come shoot. And I was like, all right, no problem. I mean, I didn't run around like broadcasting it or anything, but like mm-hmm. I would never shoot like a bull elk in a, in a high fence, like, you know, or like a 200 well i don't do if a 200 inch white tail walked out in front of me and i was like sitting in a high fence i'd probably shoot it i'm gonna be honest man like i'd probably shoot it i, I probably would um then i'd probably rub dirt all over the horns to try and darken them you know but no i'm just kidding um no there's a lot of people man that like automatically default to just like they got they're having a miserable day and they have to say something they're they're having such a bad day that they have to say something to try to make someone else's day bad as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it really boils down to. Like if you look at these people and it's like, I used to, I would click on people that ran their mouths and look at their profile. I'm like, Oh, no wonder that makes sense. <laughs> like when you start looking at their family and you're like, man, I'd, I'd be pissed off too. If that was my wife or that was my kids, you know, like, <laughs> damn. but it's like, you know, every day, every day in this country, we live in America, we live in the greatest nation in the world. Yeah. 
every day you have the ability to wake up and accomplish anything you want. We truly do as American citizens. And some, you get to choose whether you want to be a miserable piece of shit, excuse my language on your podcast. You get to decide if you want to be a miserable bastard or you want to be a positive person. And like, I struggle because I'm a confrontational person. Like if you want to argue with me, you want to fight, whatever you want to do, I'm down. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever, like I'm down, whatever level you want to go to, that's fine with me. But like, I, and so I struggle and I try to stay positive on social media. I really do. Like, like I want to like light people up and I'm like, why am I going to waste my time arguing with a complete stranger on a social platform? No matter what I say, I'm not going to be able to change his mind. You know what I mean? So you just try and stay above it and just ignore it. Like, um, but it's, it's just, it's frustrating, you know, um, at times, but then also like at the end of the day, it's like, we're a $2 billion company. We're going public, you know, like, why do I care about these people? I don't care. Yeah. I have a problem with one thing. I have a problem with, with factually incorrect information out there that I do. Cause I do like to have the record corrected. You know, I like yeah. people. Right? Now, if we do something stupid, absolutely. I'll own it. Yeah. We, we, we sponsored an influencer that we probably should not have sponsored. Well, we, we absolutely should. Mm-hmm. Have. he kind of slipped through the cracks so yeah absolutely i'll eat that i'll take it on the chin yes we screwed up there but i don't like it when people make up stuff it's just it did it, it just it, it does annoy me i'll be honest with you well uh, yeah well the thing part of that is it's just so easy to do these days like to fabricate information and where it's somewhat believable to where people yeah. can run with it that's so easy to do it's incredibly and easy now it's, it's important getting it right no it doesn't matter anymore being first no. is what matters being first is what matters and having the most attractive, like controversial line for people right. to look at and go, Oh, I'm angry about that too. That's what yeah. matters. Denzel Washington said, you get, you get good at anything you practice, you get good at. And that includes spreading bullshit. Yeah. And he said that to a journalist and the journalist didn't have a response. I mean, he just kind of <laughs> dropped that bomb on him like that, you know, and they were just kind of like, Oh, wow. But yeah. Like anyways, for one, we- here's for one instance, like we were talking I finally, like I used to follow all those super negative meme accounts. You're making hunting great again. copper plated sixes, all those guys. Yeah. Uh, I eventually stopped following making hunting great again, just because I, I finally came to the realization. I was like, no matter what this dude posts, all he does is just make me mad. Cause he just says stuff like you says, just so hateful and doesn't yeah, yeah. help anybody do anything. Um, and I think you're correct about copper plated sixes. He was for the most part, he was seemed to be the most knowledgeable and most accurate about what he said. However, the thing that made me finally unfollow him mm-hmm. is he got, he got on the subject of, I remember he was talking about YouTubers in the hunting space and he was talking specifically about the hunting public, which that struck a chord with me because I know a lot of those guys uh, very personally I used to work with them way back when uh, I know how they are. I know how they I know what they stand for. And he was take he, called them he said the take everything give nothing youtubers and i was like talking about being falsified i was like these guys started a research platform i mean it's based starting in alabama specifically with wild turkeys but they i think they were able to raise somewhere in the neighborhood of like thirty five thousand dollars in a matter of months and get dr mike chamberlain the wild turkey doctor who everyone knows him as now i mean they've done all these things and i was like you're not saying a single word about what they're doing 
to actually help wildlife. All you're doing is getting these people to get on your bandwagon to say, yeah, YouTubers suck. It's that kind of stuff, you know, drives me nuts. So you know, what, he, he is a marketing professional in the hunting space. Yeah, he, 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 he owns it. I'm not I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to dox him. But he is a marketing professional in, in the space. He's yeah. like he, he knows his stuff like he yeah. does. And if you look, he, he's he has quit really trash talking. Um, the only thing that he mentioned, he's posting a lot of interesting photos. The thing that he's he's only occasionally talking talk trash about things that deserve to be to, to be trash talked um i think he's kind of had a realization that um it's just it's it just makes you you're just mad all the time like look i wish a motherfucker would you know like you want someone to mess up you're hoping you want the outcome to be negative so you can go high order on someone versus the outcome to be positive mm-hmm. there's some people that are just miserable human yeah. being um and i don't know any of these people personally i, I, I don't i've never met any of them I'm sure that if I sat down with them, I'd probably, we'd cut it up and have fun. And, you know, Mike at make kind of great again, played football in college. I played football in college. Um, we probably find, well, I mean, I've talked to him on the phone. I have a, I have a cell number. Um, yeah. uh, but it's just like, I just wish those guys would just kind of take a rap on that. Like they're not really helping anymore. Now they're just, I'll, I'll say this and we're going we're gonna to stop talking about it because we're beating it in the ground. Sure. All they're doing now is they are guilty of the same thing that the people that they mock are guilty of the else is they're not showing their skin and they're doing it anonymously. Mm-hmm. These huntresses, they're showing their skin, but they're not anonymous and they're doing it for likes and the stuff that they're posting now, because they're not posting facts, they're doing it for likes as well. So they're both, they're guilty. They're just as guilty as the huntress, even more so because they're actually causing damage and infighting within the community. Now we're going to change subjects. Let's I talk like, about positive. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I could get on that. We've never, we <laughs> I think it's the first time we've really covered that topic in depth on here. So I could get caught up talking about that one myself, but yeah, we can talk about positive stuff. I like positive stuff. Um, So I'll I'll start. Sure. This has been my best fall ever. Yeah. So it started in early September. I got a nice four by four uh, mule deer buck in Nebraska with my bow spot and stalk. That was awesome. Two weeks later, I shot that big old elk in Southern Colorado. Two days later, I shot my first bear. Never been bears, never cared about them. But shot a 400-pound color-faced black bear that is, looks like a baby grizzly is so big, 400-pounder. Yeah. Um, the game warden was sealing the skull. He, was, he said, he goes, is this your first bear? I said, yes, sir, it is. And he said, you'll never kill another one this big as long as you live. And I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> um, then I got back to the farm in Georgia. That's September. Shot some does with my bow. Um and then shot – I have this thing for, like, wide bucks, like the Texas look. Sure. And I had this Whopper 9, super wide. Um, put him down. And, and then Melissa and I leave for Texas Christmas night, and we'll shoot uh, – hopefully I'll, – I'll, she'll shoot – I'll get her on a really nice whitetail. Um, I'll probably let – I'll let her shoot an Axis buck. I'll let her shoot a nice whitetail. And then hopefully maybe see an odd dad. Uh, and I've never killed an odd dad, and I will then shoot the odd dad. Yeah. So, yeah there's all dad, all dad, they get the, or what I had gathered, people gathered them to be kind of like easy to kill. We were, we're in an elk hunt in the Davis Mountains, and they had all dad there. Those rascals were slippery, man. They're, oh, yeah. they, they, they're not just there for you to 
shoot at. Like you got, (laughs) they're crafty. Right. And the reason I can attribute, I made one, I made a promise to myself this summer Mm -hmm. and I decided, I said, I don't care if I kill a single animal this fall. The only thing I care about is making good decisions. Mm. I'm going to be perfect in my decision-making process. And that's what I did. And that is what led to my super successful fall. Perfect decisions, the right call, called the right stands, the right conditions, made moves when I was supposed to make moves, pulled out when I wasn't supposed to, backed out when I was supposed to, played the win, did everything right. Wasn't stupid, wasn't bullheaded, like wasn't, oh, let's just see what happens. Maybe it'll work out for me. No hope, no luck, none of that. Just straight, just good, proper decision making. Yeah. There's a lesson in there, (laughs) I feel like. Yeah, and something, you know, that's the thing. Like sometimes the right decision is not to hunt. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that refuse to make that decision. Like, Oh, I got to be in the field. Well, let's say you got a property. Let's say you got two stands on it. Let's say you got a small farm. You got two, three, four stands. What is, the wind's wrong. The weather's wrong. The moon's wrong. Everything is wrong. Don't hunt. Do not hunt. That's the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are reluctant to actually make that decision. Yeah. It's a uh, Brad Ferris taught me that is just saying, he said, it's better to spend, what is it's it's better spend a little time at the right area at the right time than spend a lot of time in the right area at the bad time. Like don't go like go hunt in your best spot when the wind's terrible or swirling all over the place. Yeah. You know, and don't go. I mean, like don't go putting pressure on deer if it's not good conditions. And all you're gonna do is just make them more pressure. Yeah, I mean, hunting right. pressure. Yeah, hunting pressure has way more of effect than 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 most people think it does. I had to learn that the hard way. Especially on big mature bucks. Yeah. There's no big doubt. Big buck, you know, he's not, he won't, he won't come back. Yeah. He'll, he'll leave just, the country. Yeah. And and he'll leave the state. Yeah. You know, he won't. And the the, the worst part about it is you'll never see him. Mm-hmm. He's not going to blow. He's not going to run off. He's not going to sprint. He's going to turn around and he's going to walk away. Yeah. We found. And you'll be sitting there going, whatever happened to that deer? We don't see him anymore. We don't get any pictures of him. Where, where, what he's going to Yeah, Where'd he go? Well, you did something. <laughs> you messed it up. 100%. Your fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, um, it's been a good fall. Um, 2022. Um, really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. We get some, I want to do some conservation geese hunts and some other cool stuff. Um, but yeah, like, you know, my whole thing is like every year, like I'm a whitetail guy. I'm just, I love whitetails. It's my favorite thing, especially like Southern whitetails. Like I truly love hunting and interacting with Southern whitetails. And we have a farm uh, in America's Georgia that's 2,200 acres. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at buying another piece uh, in Southwest Georgia. And the thing that now man like is, is growing big deer, like providing the, you know, the, the right nutrients, the right environment, the right have grow big deer. And that's kind of what my thing is now. Like I'm really into that. Like that's yeah. what I want to do. Like I will shoot one elk every fall out West for the rest of my life. As long as I'm physically able, I will, that, I will do that. Um, as far as like, you know, these, and I'll probably do, I'll probably do another mule deer hunt. So uh, next in fall of 2022, I'll do an elk and I'll do a mule deer most likely, but all the rest of my time in is going to be spent um, doing what growing white tails in our place. And then oh, yeah. 
also in the spring, like I did, like the about your wall. I, I <laughs> dude, I have that. Like I yeah. got boxes and boxes of tail fans. Um, I'm obsessed with turkey hunting, um, and I will. Speaking of turkey, so last spring I went on my first Osceola hunt down in South Florida, like a true yeah. Osceola. Yeah, true Osceola. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, what a weird bird. Um, <laughs> a true Osceola, they don't really gobble a bunch. Like they're, they're quiet, they cluck. You know, it's just it's different. Like they're swamp birds. It's just I saw Osceola footprints on on ground that an eastern would not fly over it was so nasty and swampy (laughs) like every every corner was an ambush site for a bobcat or an alligator they got snakes they got panthers like dude everything yeah the the whole nine yards man like um but I, i befriended a wildlife biologist by the name of jeremy starks from west virginia okay and I have learned more about whitetail hunting in the past eight months of friendship with him than I have in 30 years of chasing whitetails by myself. Like, fascinating. So now, like, dude, I'm on this, like, whitetail science obsession kind of thing, man. Like, I'm just all about it. Yeah. That's the thing, man. Well, going back to your, your Osceola deal, that's what I told folks the first time I went down, went down there. there. Is it, I think one of the reasons it intrigued me is it's just it was unlike any other turkey hunt I'd ever done because you just you go out there and you see these palmettas and these cabbage trees and just this thick dense stuff and you just don't picture a turkey wanting to be there. No. But then they're just kind of there. You're, it's 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 so odd, but it's alluring because it's so different, or it was to me anyway. It's completely different, and we got skunked, um, and then. Um, we were there with PSE and mm. then the last morning we were leaving, walking down this levee and Caleb Sorrels, he goes, man, what's that? And I said, Oh my God, dude, those are pigs out in that pasture. Yeah. There's no, they're not, those are cows. I was like, no, nah, dude, those are big old pigs. Let's go. And Jeremy looked over at me and he goes, the wind is perfect. Let's do this. So we just go booking down this levee. So we shot a couple awesome and um it was a lot of fun so we'll go back there this year but um yeah i i want to do i, I really want to go um i want to get a goulds i want to go down to mexico um yeah those because yeah, those things are fascinating i was talking to jay scott um yeah jay's the guy yeah. jay is the guy you want to talk to for goulds yeah yeah for sure without question but yeah um and then like i'll 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 i'll, I'll, I'll hunt in texas yeah love texas and then you know that that's for me, it's now it's more like quality over quantity. Like when I was younger, it was just how many states could I hunt in? How many countries could I hunt in? And we're going to Africa this summer again. I've been to Africa a few times. I really love it over there. But um, yeah, I mean, I just like going out and having fun, man. And like just enjoying myself and having a good time. Melissa, my girlfriend, she's into it, loves it. She shot a few deer last year, a few deer this year. She got a nice buck this year. Um, that was just a bruiser, dude. He was, I think he was an eight pointer and four of his points were sheared off at the base. <laughs> Yeah. It's like just, just fighting everything. Um, but what was fun, the funny thing about that was we're sitting in the blind and I went, and I think there was like 15 or 16 deer in the field and in the South. And I'm sure you've seen it a million times when a mature buck enters the field, it's it, it, it to the trained eye, it is a completely different visual mm-hmm. where they kind of rumble in and they just appear. And I was like, Ooh, there's a buck. She goes, I don't see it. And I was like right there. 
she's like, oh my God. Oh, how'd you see that? And I was like, well, I just know what I'm looking for. Like, and I was like, yeah, I'm making sure he's old enough. And I'm looking, I'm looking. And like the whole time I'm like, I'm gonna let her shoot this deer because this is a shooter. And then I didn't want her to get super excited and get buck fever. So I just was kind of playing it off. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And I just kind of got the rifle and just slid it over to her. I was like, all right, I want you to pick up that rifle. I want you to shoot that deer right now. She's like, what? I was like, don't ask me another question. Just shoot that buck. She goes, oh, okay. And she grabs it and didn't give her a chance to look, really look at its horns. Mm, yeah. So that worked out well, dropped it. She's, uh, I think the deer ran, the deer ran 40, 40 yards, turned around, ran back 10, and then fell over dead. Yeah. And she goes, when it ran off, she goes, oh, my God, I missed. And I was like, sweetheart, no. <laughs> He's done. Like, you know, bowed out legs, tail flat down. Right. So that was cool. Um, she's loving that. And then, uh, you know, taking my nephew, he's shot a few deer this year. He's 12. And it was just, I don't know. I, I'm really enjoying helping other people um, go and go through and experience the hunting process as much as possible. Like, I, I truly do enjoy that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll share, I'll share this story with you. I have, I've shared the story on this podcast before, but it's been a couple of years. Um, I took my mom hunting for the first time. Uh, she mm -hmm. was 58 years old at the time. Okay. And it was probably one of the most rewarding things. No, it was definitely one of the most rewarding things I'd ever done. Um, she was being like your textbook supportive parent that you want. And right. we had started doing this podcast. And so since I do the podcast, her being my mom, she listens to every episode and she right. calls me one day and she's like, I, I kind of want to go hunting and she's never at the time had never done that ever. Right. And so I perked up immediately. I was like, what you want to hunt, you know? And so we went out there, me and my buddy, Ben Bredigan, who works for Onyx now took a, a, a morning with my mom and did some target practice. Cause she hadn't really done much with shooting a rifle or anything like that. Got comfortable with it. And then I remember that day we get out and, uh, before we walk in, I got the gun put the gun on a trigger stick, check the chamber, made sure it was empty. And we pointed it like a tree. And I said, all right, I want you to practice shooting this point on the tree. Just like if, if you were shooting at a deer. Uh, mm -hmm. and I was like, she did it. I was like, you feel good. She said, yeah. I was like, all right, we're going to walk in. First thing that I'm going to say, it's like, this is a non pressure hunt. Like we go in there, you see a deer, you want to shoot, you feel comfortable about it. We'll shoot it. If you go out there, I don't care if we see the most giant buck that ever walked. If you don't feel comfortable, we won't shoot it. Right. So we go in there and she ends up shooting a doe at like 50 yards, um, shoots her in the heart, you know, she kind of same deal. You know, there was emotions of having never shot at an animal before. She wasn't sure she hit it. I saw where the deer was hit. So I was like, mom, I, I, I really feel like we're going to find this deer, you know? And I still, to this day, I have the video saved on my phone. Um, I kind of walked in there with my light and found the deer and hadn't told mom that I'd found it. I just kind of, I told, I was like, mom, I, I found some good blood over here. Why don't you, you know, walk over here to me and we'll see where we can go. And so mm -hmm. she walks up, she thinks she's coming up on part of the blood trail, but she walks up on the doe that she killed and she was just so, so excited. And that, that was one of the most rewarding things I'd ever done hunting. And then fast forward, like two, three weeks later, she sends me a picture of her and dad were eating deer meat. And the text message said, for the first time in my life, I'm eating something that I killed myself. It, it was just really cool. No, that's awesome. I don't think I'll be taking my mother hunting. 
But <laughs> I do appreciate your story. Um, That's pretty you know, good. Lisa, uh, on her uh, first, uh, she's first year she shot was last year, and I was sitting in a let up stand, hydraulic stand that lifts up over just uh, peanuts, and we're just sitting there. And um, I have a muzzle loader that I hadn't shot and gotten as how long, um, in uh, iron sights. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and I was like, man, I was like, and I started thinking, I was like, if one of these does comes inside of like 60 yards, I'm going to let her, you know, shoot it with this muzzleloader. Yeah. And uh, she said, I was like, hey, you want to shoot that? Dish? She's like, yeah. I was like, she goes, what? And I was like, this muzzleloader. She's like, I don't know how that works. And I was like, yeah, it's just like a rifle, except, you know, you got iron sights and, um, you know, line up the sights like you do your pistol and you just slowly pull the trigger. She's like, oh, okay, that easy. I was like, yeah, boom, smashed it. Um, and then the next weekend, uh, we had a, a doe and a yearling at the feeder, different stand. And I was like, hey, like, there's that's a shooter doe. You know, we don't want to shoot no babies. It wasn't a yearling. It was like a late, late season fawn. Didn't have spots, but it should have had spots. It was smaller than any fawn I'd ever seen, actually. This thing was a pocket deer. Yeah. And I, well, there's a mama doe. It's a big doe. And uh, we don't shoot things under the feeder. You know, we wait for it to get away. So uh, come way down the feeder. So they, the, the little deer cleared the feeder. And then, you know, it's like, all right, you know, and then I was like, all right, the mama's coming. You know, the, the big, the nanny doe's coming. And, um, you know, when I say, you know, okay. slow pull the trigger and slowly pull the trigger and let's you know make it happen um and boom and the nanny doe runs off tail up in the air i was like i was like what happened she's like what are you talking about i was like yeah you missed she's like i didn't miss i was like sweetie that deer ran off with its tail in the air totally fine bounding that deer. she's like that deer's laying on the ground right there and i went "Ooh, ooh, sweetheart good job way to go <laughs> great shot great shot right, right in the heart like 12 ring like yeah. dude, legit 12 ring and then maybe five minutes later that big nanny did walked out i was like all right it's the only deer here it's not let's, let's not mess this up 12 rung that <laughs> so and then this year she shot a couple deer and shot the buck so yeah i'm excited about taking her to texas and making that happen so yeah it's fun i enjoy taking other people yeah that's part of the fun of it. D- tell me this, like, like, how did you, how did you get involved with black rifle? I know you probably get that question a lot, a lot. but I'm curious. How did I get involved? Yeah. So when I was in graduate school, I was at NYU. Um, and, uh, started a drink company called Killcliff, And worked for Killcliff full time and, you know, uh, one of the co-founders of the company basically and a partner in the company yeah and we took it from zero dollars to like 16 million in sales in like three years Mm -hmm. and it was a huge in the crossfit space and that was the 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 the, our focus lane and uh evan and i i met jared a guy and they were they were doing the movie range 15 yeah and they reached out to me and i agreed that Killcliffe would be a sponsor. So Killcliffe sponsored the movie and um, 
Evan just kind of recruited me. We got along with friends, you know, liked each other um, and just got along. And I was a consultant for six years. And then about two years ago, I came on full time, so to speak. And then this past summer, I came on as the hunting community manager in a full time capacity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, I've been there not the very beginning, but since the beginning. And like I can I, mean, I know the story as well as anyone, just because that was the first time in my life when I wasn't like for lack of a better phrase, the boss, so to speak. Right. Um, and I was like, you know, not low man on the totem pole, but like, I just, I wasn't an owner in the company. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't my company. I was just, I was just helping push the boulder up the hill. And I, so I got to observe and I observed those guys for basically six years. And I can tell you this outside of their spouses. I know how they think as well as anybody on this planet. I can yeah. tell you, I can what Evan Hafer, how he will answer questions and what he will think of things without having consulting. Because everything I do, I think Evan's sitting on my shoulder. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And that's the way I do things for the company. It's like, yeah. okay, he's right here. What I'd post this, what I say this in front of him on behalf of the company. So they're actually, they're, they're, they're not complex, complicated individuals. They're actually quite simple people to understand. Uh, what's important to them is very easy to understand uh, and what they care about. Each one of them is kind of hyper-focused on different things. Um, but once you kind of figure them out, it's quite, if you figure out, if you know Evan Hafer, you pay attention to what Evan Hafer does and says, that's the brand. You get him, you get the brand. It's yeah. just very simple. Well, um, yeah. I, I mean, just cause I watched that me and however other many million people watch that podcast he did with Rogan when he was talking about the whole ordeal when they tried to dang near tried to cancel Evan over the whole Tulsi Gabbard thing you know and just the way, the way. He, he articulated himself there you know like he said it was pretty let easy me, to understand me, where he was coming from and his values let, let me articulate that for everyone listening <laughs> Evan Hafer is worth hundreds of millions of dollars if Evan Hafer wanted to influence an election, I can promise you he's going to do more than donate $500 to his friend, Tulsi. That's not how you influence elections with $500. And Evan and Tulsi are friends. I like Tulsi Gabbard. I think Tulsi Gabbard is awesome. I like Tulsi Gabbard. I I, I don't like her. I I disagree with her on her position on assault rifles. Mm -hmm. I, I do. But everything else she says, I'm pretty much right in line with her on. And I'm not a one issue voter. Like if you're a one issue voter and you only vote on one line, the only thing you care about is this one thing. You don't care about the rest of the country or any other issues, taxes or whatever. It's just assault rifles. They're not going anywhere. Like no one's taking the assault rifles away that they campaign off of that. And once you Mm kind of understand the way camp, understand how campaigning work and like what these people do to campaign off of things, like you kind of have a better understanding, but like Evan's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. If he wanted to impact or influence an election, he's going to do more than give Tulsi Gabbard $500. And Evan, I'll ask you this. I'll challenge anyone this. Find me a CEO that has purchased 151 Novesky ARs and given them away to friends and family and employees. Hmm. Does that sound like a dude that's anti-2A? And one thing he said on the Joe Rogan podcast is he's like, all these people that are making these statements. He's like, if they spent 10 seconds in my previous job, their heads would implode. 
He's like, just, just looking at a snapshot of what was going on in my life, riding in the backseat of a Corolla, wearing a burqa, going through multiple checkpoints, you know, with an AK with a hundred, hundred round drum mag, hundred round drum underneath the burqa, waiting for something to kick off. Like they just, they couldn't even begin to comprehend it. He's like, and for anyone to say that he's a, a, a traitor, they would never, ever, ever, ever say that to any one of us in person. No. Like, no, and it, that's, that's another thing about the social media thing is it allows anyone can have an opinion and voice it. So, but yeah, I mean, Evan's, Evan's legit, man. Like Evan's one of the most fascinating people I've ever met in my life. I, I enjoy spending time with him as much as I do anyone on this planet. And yeah. no matter what he's dealing with, even if it's like something really shitty, it's hard not to laugh because he's just a funny guy. And even like when he complains about something or he's pissed, like you gotta, I don't know. You ever met someone who was legitimately upset, but the way that they were venting their frustration was funny. <laughs> yeah. Laugh. Yeah, but it was serious, and you had to like. You're just kind of like, man, shit. I wish you'd stop. Like, he's <laughs> great, man. They're all they're all incredibly talented. That's watching, I get to watch Evan mature as a businessman and a leader over the past eight seven years. I've been with him, and like some of the decisions he makes and some of the the growth that he's you you didn't see it happen in real time, but looking back now that we're the cans, you know, eight years down the road, you can look back like, oh my God. So that's why he did that. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's why now. Oh, I get it now. Matt Best, on the other hand, Matt's interesting because Matt, like, and, and uh, I thought Matt was just a, a Matt 6'2, 220, just a good looking dude, face of the brand, made funny videos, and chicks digged him, and girls want to be with him, and guys want to be like him, you know. Matt's a very successful, savvy, extremely savvy businessman, like mm. wildly so. Um, that was a surprise to me. Uh, one of the really cool things about Matt is that watching Matt, Matt's um, maturation process has been more like you can observe it. So like he's gotten a lot better at singing. Like he's had, I think, eight of the top 15 comedy songs on iTunes. Most people <laughs> know that. Matt co- uh, consults and writes a ton of really popular country songs for really popular artists. Most people, artists, most people don't know that. So his singing's gotten better. He's learned drums. He's gotten way better at guitar, like really talented musician. And it's been cool to actually watch those developments take place. Yeah. So on one hand, you, you're watching cerebral development. On the other hand, you're watching physical development with actual physical skills. You know? yeah. And like Matt's post-production and video work and editing work, like they were filming content yesterday. Matt Best is the number two equity owner in the company behind Evan, and he's running a camera, video, filming Logan with camera guys there watching him. Yeah. Because that, like, he, you know, and, like, that's just, just dude, it's, it's just fascinating to watch. It's like you're the number two guy in the company, and here you are running a camera, recording Logan, who's a partner in the company, but like, you know, a junior partner and like you're recording him doing content and that's leadership, you know, it's leadership because yeah, you're elevating the people around you. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, Will taught me that as well. Like that that and Matt doesn't think anyone could do it as well as him, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. And like, you know, Matt, like it's, it's interesting. Like, and then, you know, JT, um, you know, he's one of the most talented people I know. Like, he can drive anything. He can fly anything. I don't know that he can land anything. I know he can take anything off. Like, and I'm not, I don't know that he can land a lot of stuff. I know he can fly anything. He can drive anything. Um, 
I don't know. It's just cool watching everyone grow and mature and then being a part of it. You know, it's like, um, I don't know how much my work can, I don't know. I don't know how much I contributed, but I can honestly say this and every person would agree. I've been there from the first day I arrived helping push the boulder up the hill. I've contributed. And that's a cool feeling to know, Hey, I help. That's a, that's a cool feeling, you know? Um, I didn't score the touchdown. I didn't throw the pass, but you know, I was on the field and that's yeah. cool. You know, of course. So yeah, it's been yeah. fun, man. It's, you know, and it, and we've, and like, we're opening stores now. Uh, we're, we're opening uh, franchises and we're opening corporate stores all over the place. Uh, I'm a partner in the Midland, Texas store, which is just, that's a whole different world. Um, how successful the coffee outposts have been like who in the world, who in the world would say, oh, I have an idea. We should open retail <laughs> in this economy. Yeah. When retail is going the way of the dodo bird. And um, Evan and Tom Davin, co-CEO. And it's like, all right, we're opening coffee shops. Great idea, guys. Mm. We, we, what a dumbass <laughs> idea. Nope, wildly successful. Absolutely crushing. Crushing, crushing, crushing the competition. RTD is ready to drink canned coffee. Uh, who'd have thought that that would have been successful? Number three fastest selling cold coffee on, in the United States of America. So they just, there's just a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah. There's no doubt. Like in between that and I mean, have, have y'all announced, I should have, have y'all announced like publicly what, what you said on here about the partnerships with the NWTF and, and that sort of thing. I'm saying that because I hadn't heard. I didn't. I was unaware y'all were doing that until I don't you think spoke it's about it. The wire yet? It's not a secret. Like we're not like trying. Yeah, we're not yeah. trying to. We're not trying to leverage that. Yeah. Well, and we, and we sponsored Pope and Young. That actually, Pope and Young has hit the wire. Yeah. Um, we did a deal with Pope and Young, uh, which is cool. Um, yeah, that probably first year. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's not a secret. So yeah, I mean, I tell yeah. a bunch of people. But, yeah. Yeah, we are absolutely moving forward with that. That's cool stuff, man. What do you it's, guys have planned? Man, uh, uh, coming in the year, like, right, well, right now, because like I said, I had to hunt this morning. I got to hunt this afternoon. We're filming our stuff for our upcoming shows. So it's easy for us to be just bogged down thinking about nothing but whitetails and waterfowl when they're down here. But um, we got after that, we'll have like a little bit of a break, except for what well, we'll be at the, well, we'll be at the um, NWTF convention in Nashville. That'll yeah, be the we'll first be first one they've had in like two years because of COVID and everything. So I'm sure that'll be fun. And then roll right into turkey season. Um far as like stuff planned, I mean, you know, I mean, we've got more uh definitely like, you know, Primos is such a I guess more like a legacy brand. You know, we you kind of watched like Primos when I was hired on there they were still doing DVDs, which, you know, you say DVD, it just sounds so ancient now, you know? Um, I remember when it was so advanced, like Blu-ray. Yeah. It was, it was super, super advanced, you know? Yeah. And and so that, that's kind of what's on the horizon for, for Primo's is because now obviously we still have our presence on outdoor channel and everything, but we're trying to, trying to create more content for just our digital platforms, our, youtube channel instagram all that kind of stuff that's probably the biggest thing that we have on the horizon and uh, this podcast like i said we we started this podcast over a little over four years ago now Mm -hmm. 
and it's actually like in the past it was always growing per se but probably in the past two years it's had the most significant growth to where like okay this isn't just a thing we do we for do. fun anymore this actually has a little bit of platform behind it so that's been fun as well oh yeah that's awesome man yeah. well we need to get to get, get with you guys and do some type of turkey hunt in the spring or something like that dude i'm i'm down like i am i'm so down but definitely like if y'all would be at nwtf like we can oh, yeah. link up there or something yeah for sure yeah, i mean just yeah get with me uh we're having an after party maybe you guys can uh co-sponsor it with us yeah like yeah we'll, we'll get it we'll get together more like after this, I'd love to hear more about that for sure. Yeah. My my best friend owns the Valentine, which is a three story bar in downtown Nashville. Yeah, we don't have to pay to rent it or anything. And I think we're gonna probably have Tim Montana play. We did last year, so um, that'll be fun, man. But yeah, dude, just let's chat, stay in touch, and see what we can come up with. For sure. Yeah, spring. We always like spring is uh spring's my favorite time of year. Like I, I, I there's not anything that I found in the hunting sphere yet that I don't like, but I haven't found anything that I love more than Turkey. So I, uh, and we tend that we, we're able to like branch out and do more stuff during Turkey season. Cause it just don't seem as confined as we do when we're hunting deer, when we're doing deer stuff, but yeah, absolutely, man. I'm completely open to that. All right. Well, let's, let's make something happen, man. Yeah. Well, dude, look, um, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate someone that's, and I'm not, I, I promise I'm not just blowing smoke. Someone mm-hmm. that's like, unfiltered but unfiltered for not for the sake of like trying to push any agenda but just saying what's on their mind you don't there's not enough of that in this world so i i mean i, I mean, do I appreciate the conversation today and heck man let's have you back on and talk more um do this um where can tell folks where they can find um stuff for the black rifle hunting community tell folks where they can find you any of that kind of stuff on there so for Black Rifle, it's BRCC underscore outdoors. And then for me, if you're interested in the stuff that I put out there, which is going to be pictures of me, my little boxer puppy, and my girlfriend, um, Black Baker on Instagram. So BRCC underscore outdoors and then Black Baker on Instagram. That would be me. Yeah. You un- you undersell yourself a little bit. Those Baker's thinking stories that you put out, those are pretty funny. Dude, the worst thing, man, is like I forget the best stuff. Like I just need to walk around with like a little dictator recorder in my hand and just <laughs> I forget so much quality stuff that I need to put out there. But you don't understand how many people are like, dude, you should make this into like a coffee book. And I was like, maybe one day. I've got every one of them. I've I haven't deleted a single one of them. I've got them all still. So you shouldn't. Um dude, that's what someone the reason I started following you particularly in the front, like I already followed the BRCC outdoors, mm-hmm. I think, but yeah. someone like reposted one of those Baker's thinkings that you do. And I was like, okay, I don't know who that dude is, but that's funny. Like that. Caleb Copeland. Yeah, it was Caleb Copeland. I know yeah. Caleb. Yeah. I'm the one that threatened to beat Caleb's ass if he didn't start his own company. For <laughs> He's the most organized person I know. He's very talented. Yeah. He is the most organized, detail-oriented human being in the hunting space that I know. He's talented, um, man. He's very talented. He's great. Do you, you know the story? Have you ever had him on the show? I haven't. I, no, I've been on uh, – I'm going to tell you why you need to have him on the show. Okay. I'm all ears. The story about how he got into the hunting world running a camera. 
Hmm. He so Caleb Field and Stream had a comp contest for kids in high school. Caleb was in college. So he made a hunting video and submitted it with his brother's name on it. Ah. Uh. And his and his brother won. <laughs> and they called his brother, like, hey man, congrats, you won the competition. He's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, yeah, man, we really liked your video. He was like, what video? He's like, oh, let me call you right back. Called his brother. He's like, hey, man, I just got a call from Field and Stream saying I won some competition. And Caleb's like, hell yeah, we did. Uh, Dude, so get, get Caleb on and get him to tell that story, man. Because he didn't know. He just he went and like bought a camera and like taught himself how to do it and then like submitted this piece of crap hunting <laughs> video and his brother ended up winning. That's funny because they said I've not. I mean, like Caleb and I aren't like close, but I mean, you, you know how the hunting industry is, man. And everyone kind of knows everybody. So I've known Caleb as kind of like a work acquaintance for several years now. And I think I don't know if he, does he still do that Redneck Tech podcast? I was on oh, yeah. that once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. But yeah, I'll have to hit him up. I I didn't even I've never heard that story, but you need to get him to tell it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So. All right, man. I got to bounce, dude. I appreciate it. You need me to do anything for a hang up? No, man. We are we are good to go. We'll sign off here again. I I appreciate it and uh, let you know when this comes out. We'll talk more. All right, man. Have a great day. Yeah, man. You as well. See you.